Welcome back to Fisher Link, a podcast presented by Fisher Inc. Magazine for the Fisher College of Business to highlight stories in and around Ohio State they may not have heard about. I'm Grant Powelson, the Vice President of Podcast for Fisher Inc., and today I have as my co-host, Andrew Shihada. Hey guys, my name is Andrew. Happy to be here alongside Grant today. I'm a first-year finance major from Cincinnati and looking forward to speaking with our guest today. This episode, we'll be speaking with Adam Paddock, an emerging student musician here at Ohio State, about his experience starting a music career while also pursuing a bachelor's degree. Before we speak with him, though, we have a sample of his newest song, Authentic, for your listening pleasure. So, get your eardrums ready, folks. Friday night, you and I I wish I never got to know you You take your time While everybody wants to hold you I don't care what they say You're not my problem I know you're not who you say Once again, that was Authentic by Adam Paddock, and you can look for it now on all streaming platforms. Thanks for joining us today, Adam. Do you mind telling us your major, where you're from, and your year in school? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm a junior studying strategic communication, and I'm from Cincinnati, Ohio, more specifically Loveland. Oh, that, that's super close. Is it? I'm no from way. Mainville, actually. Yeah, no way. Close My grandparents live there. Yeah. Yeah, that's wild. Small world, small world. Yeah, I'm from Montgomery, so right down the street. Heck yeah, I work there. So what inspired you to start making music in the first place, and how long have you been doing it? So I started making music a long, long time ago. Music has been a part of my life, but more of a sheltered part until recently. I grew up in band. I was a sheltered band kid, you could say, um, playing trumpet and baritone from fifth grade all the way through high school. And everything. My sisters were always in show choir, but that wasn't necessarily my my style um, until my senior year of high school, where I all, all of my close close friends basically pressured me into it. They said like it's so much fun, like you get to sing and dance, which to me were like a foreign concept. I could do neither in my head, you know. And they pressured me into auditioning, and it ended up being the best thing to ever happen to me. I learned that I could sing. Ended up getting a ton of really cool opportunities through that and then I began finally producing my own music um, at the beginning of quarantine. Quarantine just happened to be the perfect space and time for me to have a ton of creative flow and just like a lot less um, distractions that usually would come with school. So I began making music like more seriously I'd say at the beginning of 2020. Okay, so something good did come out of the pandemic after all that. Yeah, yes. totally. So many crazy stories of, that, of, of the beginning of that time. So had you been like practicing, like just making music, but you never actually like produced it until quarantine started? Yeah, I, I have a lot of friends who ha- have made music, released albums, released singles and EPs and such. So I've been around them, um, played some instruments on some of their stuff and gotten to just be in that world and the influence of being around them, just to the exposure more so taught me the basics and then towards the beginning of quarantine when I built a home studio very very makeshift home studio at my house um, everything just kind of came together and I learned via YouTube and so many different outlets my like close friends who are really really talented helped me out I learned how to make what my sound is becoming as we speak And speaking of that sound, how would you describe the music that you typically create if you had to put it in like a specific genre? Oh man, that's, that's a tough one. I think that I purposefully have music that 
can appeal to a lot of the, like different demographics, ages, like genders, everything. Um, but I think the best way it could be described currently is chill pop or alternative pop. For a while, I was more so going along the lines, the route of chamber pop because my band upbringing and everything, I know what arrangement ought to look like. But now with my upcoming project, um, my EP that's coming out soon, and like the stuff that I just released, Authentic, which you just heard, um, that is the direction I'm going more so. Artists such as like Clinton Kane, Jeremy Zucker, uh, JP Sachs, that direction. I know you just kind of touched on how your music's changed a little bit uh, with respect to genre, but in what ways has your music changed since you began producing? Oh, absolutely. I would say it, it's crazy how far everything has come since my first song. Like the first one that I made is called Outside. Um, I think it might be in my top five on Spotify. I'm not sure. Um, and that was the first one that I produced. It was incredibly raw. I didn't know how to tune anything. So everything that you hear there is in incredibly raw. That, how we recorded it is how you hear it. It was 11 tracks, like two guitar tracks, maybe three or four vocals, an upright bass, and I think a bird track I got off of YouTube or something. And from there, everything's progressed just through learning that working alone, things can be done a lot faster, but working together with like people who are better than me on purpose, um, I can go further. Like the, the phrase, faster alone, further together, is something that I've learned a whole lot about. That's a great lesson that you learned too then. So would you say that like you've changed the style of your music or maybe just like the production of it? I would say that the style is evolving um, just as much and just as quickly as a, my production capabilities because I'm realizing more and more what is and what these um, digital workspaces are capable of. And by bringing other people in who know more about one genre than the other, it, it just takes every song to a different place. So my style is moving more towards pop, I think. My demographics are all over the place right now, but now that my style is being honed and I know what I want and the sound that works best for me, I think that's the direction I'm running. Awesome. So can you describe what your creative process looks like? And I'm curious, like, does inspiration come in random spurts or do you have set times where you sit down and work on music? Oh man, that's such a good question. That's that's one commonly asked. Um, I think, I'm a firm believer that if you are only creative when you sit down to be creative, then your ceiling, your potential is only so high. But if you never sit down to intentionally like be deliberate about being creative and making something, like forcing yourself, then your potential is also only so high. So uh, that's why I, I, I plan out my days by the minute. That way I know I have big green spaces on my calendar for each day when I get to be creative. Um, but otherwise, I have this gigantic note on my phone that is just hundreds and hundreds of lines long of one line, one chorus, stuff that I may never use, stuff that I have used for entire choruses, just like the beginning beginnings of songs, little verses, little bridges, or even when I'm writing with other people, being able to look back through this log of my feelings and my experiences, or just like funny little phrases that I heard are huge. But I would say it varies so much song by song. Authentic was the craziest, craziest journey to get there because a little background on Moses who um, produced it. He 
is from Dubai. He's Syrian Armenian and he lives in New York City. So our paths should have never cro crossed ever. It does not make any sense. But one of his um, roommates from college at King's College up in New York City happens to be one of my good family friends. And during spring break, they happened to be visiting in Cincinnati and then this thing called coronavirus came through. So he's like, oh, I'll just stay. I'll stay in Loveland in Cincinnati for just a couple days, maybe a week at most. And then eight months later, once the entirety of everything um, went down and once school could come back, then he moved back to New York City. So in that time, we got to make Milky Way and now Authentic. And those two came together so differently as well. It just all depends. Because song by song, if it, my, like, most of my EP came through the process of sitting down on my instrument, finding a cool progression that kind of spoke to me, um, write, wrote about what I felt, and it turned out to be better than the other stuff. I, I also believe that you have to get through all the junk in order to get to the diamonds, you know? Because you write way more bad songs than good songs. Yeah, exactly. And what a lucky coincidence that is, too. Do you think since you guys like have such good teamwork that you'll be working together in the future? Oh, yeah. I don't think this partnership is going to be done for a really long time. Something that I've been dreaming up is a little EP with like he and I and also one of our friends from King's College named Breeze. They, they're really, really talented. Their genre is more the trap alternative pop type stuff. Um, and mine is obviously far from that. And just the combination of what they are capable of versus what I am, it, I think it has has a lot of a lot of longevity. And you touched upon meeting Moses and then having your home studio. So, how did you record your first ever song, and then where do you typically record now? Or if it changes, how does that change from song to song? Totally, totally. So I built this studio at my dad's house in this unfinished portion of the basement. Um, when he left for the weekend one time because we got our carpet redone and instead of throwing it away like I was asked to, I just took it all down to the basement, nailed it to the unfinished ceilings, um, walls, floor, and ended up making that my studio. And that's where I recorded, uh, I think, three of the first four songs I released outside all my cards and Conversations Past Midnight were recorded in there. And then from that point, most of the stuff that I've produced has been in this space where I am currently in my dorm. Um, the Lantern wrote a pretty cool article about it. I basically took most of what I have back there, like back at home in my studio, that equipment and brought it in here and got a bunch of carpet squares from Goodwill for $1. That was my soundproofing, you know? <laughs> if anyone works at a soundproofing company, sponsor me, please. I'm begging you. No, I'm kidding. Um, so most of the time it just looks like recording into the same equipment that I had in my studio and I just like bring it back and forth. But when I'm working with Moses, typically we go to Huber's Records, which is um, owned by one of my buddies, and we just work there because it's free. It's fun, and we're both really comfortable there, and make and we have the capability to make good sounds in that space. Yeah, it's great that you can adapt to recording in all those different environments and and make it work when you need to. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Phineas, um, Billy Eilish's brother, is one of my biggest inspirations in that sense because if you listen to most of his stuff, 
or, or like his interview talking about his stuff all of it is recorded on the go he's like on a world tour he's somewhere in amsterdam and he's recording this one line if you listen to uh lost a friend by phineas the beginning you kind of hear some crowd noise and this really cool raw acoustic guitar sound and that was him playing like writing the song and playing it prior to playing bonnaroo and so he just slipped that voice memo into the actual song and I, that's that's the beauty of making music nowadays is that you can do it anywhere yeah wow that's really impressive and so do you take a lot of inspiration from phineas oh yeah absolutely every song that he does is a is a little masterpiece um he's probably the most admired person around our age um making music in terms of just the production side i think he's only like 23 or something so he's hardly older than we are but he's what i aspire to be in two years from now you know he's he's nuts yeah so what musician would you most like to collaborate with oh that's such a hard question because because i make such a diverse like bit of music each genre kind of calls for something i would say though above all else john bellion would be my dream because he's a production god he can write anything every genre and when you when you write mm-hmm. something you know that it's his if you guys have listened to the new justin bieber album he wrote like half of that and yeah you can tell from like the first melodic line that it was written by john belly you know what i mean have you guys listened to it mm-hmm. uh, yeah so, not yet oh <laughs> come on andrew <laughs> yeah yeah i would say he's definitely my inspiration and would be like the biggest collaboration dream ever but there's a handful of others such as like Clinton Kane, Ben Platt. Ben Platt was the first guy that I ever admired his singing voice and I mean I just didn't really care about his singers or anything and then he came around and just blew my mind. It's really interesting that you brought up John Bellion because when I first started going through your music, that was the first connection that I made that your music is like it's pretty similar in style and content to his. So that's that's great that you want to work with him man that's the greatest compliment you could possibly give <laughs> so thank you yeah yeah i felt that as well and like a little bit of a hosier sprinkled in there too oh uh, yeah yeah that's that's crazy those are two legends right there man that would be a vibration <laughs> as well you know cherry wine is just the most beautiful song ever written oh that's just anytime i'm sound checking my acoustic guitar anywhere i'm playing it's i'll always play that song because it just sets the environment, you know? Yeah, I love that song. So, so um, speaking of Cherry Wine, which is performed live, have you had any live performances yet? And if not, where's your dream place to play? Oh, such a good question. So I have yet to be able to like headline my own thing because I have never had music out um, when live music is a thing, like playing a venue. True. But most weekends prior to coronavirus you could find me in the short north um busking which is street performance um so i'd just be playing down there in front of forno jenny's wherever playing any and every song some of mine some of a mix um other than that my live performance aspects has just been like charity gigs here and there during um during the pandemic that are all spaced out and everything which have given cool opportunities but I just can't wait to get up on stage with like a whole band and just get ripping, you know? I would say my dream venue is Nationwide Arena or The Shot. Yeah, definitely The Shot more so. Because 
I want so badly to do like a Welcome Week concert one day. That would be the coolest thing. Yeah, that'd be a flex, especially going to Ohio State. Right, too, like. exactly. That's yeah. great. So how would you say that your communication degree blends with a career in music? And what similarities do you see between the two? Oh, there's a huge overlap. Huge, huge. So my strategic communication major is kind of like marketing, but with more of a PR focus. And I would say when it comes down to getting your music to people, anyone can release music. It's The barrier to entry is so low at this point. Um, but getting off the ground is so, so hard. Um, so, especially with the stuff that I've learned in my strategic media planning classes and stuff, I have learned to plan all of the promo that I'm doing, make it all prior to, like, I'm, I'm announcing my EP, the, the dates that they're coming out, I'm releasing that today on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, all that jazz, um, and all of the promo for the next three weeks, no, four weeks, is done. And so I think it's looking ahead and realizing that, like, this is a business, you know? And as much as I want it to just be about the art, I also have to, like, my audience has to understand that I'm trying to do this as a, as a sustainable thing at some point, you know? Because right now it's digging me a little bit of a hole in terms of money, but things are looking up, you know? So I think it's finding the perfect balance. My major is learning about love marks which is this cool concept of gaining respect and gaining love um, in, in in a broad sense of the term and i think that pr and strategic communication just works perfectly in finding the perfect space for an artist there because you want the respect of all oh, this guy knows what he's doing he knows what he's talking about but there has to be that aspect of like personality you know, in every post, in every interaction, whenever I see somebody on campus who knows my stuff, like, knowing how to handle that, you know? And going off of that, so what are some specific strategies that you use for your marketing? Do you utilize Instagram stories like TikTok? Like, which of platform seems to be the most effective for you? So currently, TikTok is the most effective. Um, I've had some good luck because I know algorithmically it is not perfectly sound. You can make amazing content on TikTok and it will flop sometimes. Um, I would say Instagram is the best for cultivating a culture of a following. Like that's where I get to put more personality into things and say, this is this is really me. Rather than on TikTok, they'll get 10,000 followers in two days from this one video that you didn't put any work into. And then you'll get 200 views on this thing that you spent hours on. So I would say reaching new audiences, TikTok is by far the best. There's there's nothing that has ever matched it. Um, but Instagram and Facebook, which those two target different audiences anyway. But those are the ones where I get to actually be myself more so. I have the biggest following on TikTok just from one viral video um, that happened like middle of quarantine or something but that that was a whole story in itself i mean you can go ahead and uh, plug your tiktok instagram all that real yeah, quick if you want sure i mean it's all just at adam paddock um instagram facebook tiktok all of the above and 
the one video on TikTok that took off was the most unexpected thing. I had posted maybe four or five videos prior to that, nothing about music. I, did, I, I was one of those diehard, I'm never getting into TikTok people, like it's so stupid. <laughs> now it's the last thing I do every night I go to sleep. But um, yeah, fifth video or something that I posted was this crummy, crummy clip from my senior year of high school when I left my baseball game early in my baseball uniform, went to our choir concert, still in the uniform, and sung uh, Stitches by Shawn Mendes. I, I had some solo, and it's it's like eight and a half pixels. Like, it's so grainy, so, <laughs> you know? Um, but the audio quality is pretty, pretty good, and a lot of people just compared me to Troy Bolton, and it's at like, 2.7 million views or something. I posted it oh, wow. random Tuesday in the middle of the afternoon. I was going to a place called White Rock with my friends and suddenly started getting like texts from my sisters being like, hey, it has 100,000 views. What are you doing? And I, I was just on a zip line like over a abandoned rock quarry, you know? I was not. <laughs> Little did I know that would change everything, right? Yeah, it's the things you least expect. So do you think that like TikTok's like great for reeling people in then and then you kind of keep them keep them around with Instagram and Facebook? That's your plan? Totally. I think that's pretty much how it works for most artists because like on TikTok, it's so fleeting. Everything just like it, they'll, the, people will drop one comment and say, we love you and then follow you and then never interact with your stuff again. So there's a lot of times my DMs are just so so full of me messaging the people who follow me or leave genuine compliments because my hope is that it'll transfer over and usually it, it does because if the artist or somebody that you admire reaches out to you after you've given them some praise it's a huge piece and i've made so many cool like fan friends which is crazy concept to me um from all over the world honestly at this point which is crazy um but yeah it, it's like a catch and like hey this this is a part of me but i want to show you like what this is actually about and i'll take you to instagram or facebook you know? mm -hmm. that sounds like you're a super genuine guy i hope that pays off for you like reaching out to thank them. you i hope so <laughs> yeah so who would you say that your target audience is mm -hmm. in other words like who are you making this music for seriously yeah well my main demographics um based on like spotify for artists information 80, I think it's 81%-ish, something like that, of my listeners are from the age of 14 to 27. And that is probably represented. There's like the handful of like Facebook moms and stuff that do give me quite a bit of praise and exposure, you know, because they get all the engagement in the world on Facebook. You know, it's hard for us to get it, but they have everyone under the sun as their friend. Um, but I would say my target demographic is now moving towards that 14 to 27 honing it in because Milky Way and Outside and all of those, they're slower, they're epic, they're things that I would say older generations can really grab onto. But now that I'm learning how to produce things that are more interesting to me and more, not mainstream because I want to be mainstream, but um, I would say more in or more hip. <clears throat> because I'm going in that direction, it's just going to naturally hone my audience to be 14 to 27 because they care more about the little cool production pieces rather than like, let's say this, the 60 to 80 year olds who just want to hear like 
the Beatles who have in, the best melodic lines of all time and super cool composition, but that doesn't really sell anymore. And I'm not trying to sell out because I do love this sound, but I would say the younger generation is where, where I'm moving. I mean, you have like a wide discography too. So, I mean, if you reel them in with that, you know, maybe it'll keep growing and they'll get to like some of your other I hope stuff. So, I hope so. We've talked a lot about your successes, but what are some setbacks that you faced when you're creating your music or trying to grow your audience? Oh, absolutely. I would say some of it, a good portion of it is just morale because for 99.9% of artists, we never get off of that like 100 monthly listeners like pedestal like right off the ground it, it, it's truly like a glass ceiling you know what i mean like the, a similar concept um so sometimes when you're making music and the numbers just don't quite line up with the amount of work that i have put in you know especially being at school people don't actually care most people don't actually care about the external stresses because as an artist people look to me and say okay he is an artist this just comes supernaturally that's all he does and so it should be phenomenal and i put in the work in hopes of it turning out that way and i've gotten awesome feedback but when you only get i mean for me if i only get a couple hundred streams day one that's a little like disheartening for some but other song it, it, it's all algorithmic too because if spotify catches wind you get on like an editorial playlist or discover weekly your numbers just jump Milky Way, huge first day. And I think that was a big skew because it was riding the wave of Moses' success off of his other stuff. So Spotify algorithm was like, oh, anything Moses puts out is going to be incredible. Let's just boost it. So then I started releasing my own stuff and it was more realistic. So, I mean, that, that wasn't really a drawback. I think that's just a reality that I've come to grips with is that i mean each song is getting better and better out of that day one al algorithmically it's getting pushed a little bit more by a little bit more which it's not an overnight thing it's really not i was just um talking not talking to ben rector i wish i was talking to ben rector he's one of my musical inspirations um and i submitted this thing on his instagram story like the what is the best piece of advice you can give to someone studying strate strategic communications or marketing while pursuing a career in music and he said, get so good at music that marketing doesn't matter. And that was a little dis mm. because he's from a different era where there, it, there was so much less saturation in the street, like mm. platforms and like all that jazz, just because he started making music more than a decade prior than I have. But other than that, I've been so supported by friends and my community that I write with, that I make music with, that just appreciates my art, that there has not been a whole lot other than the monetary component that is quite difficult being a college student and paying for school at the same time. Yeah, and how do the different streaming services affect how your viewers can you know, hear your music? How do they distribute them differently? Yeah, well, Apple kind of sucks for finding new music for like, if you listen to most people, they're <laughs> like, yeah, Spotify wins in terms of in terms of just showing more new music to you. There's recommendations in everything, in your own playlists, they make playlists for you. And I know Apple does some similar, but as an artist, Spotify 
does a great job of being super transparent with like the algorithm and how well you're doing. You can see exactly how many streams you're getting from every single playlist. Fun fact, if you have Spotify and if you streamed any one song from one playlist 25 times, we can see your playlist. We can see the name of your playlist, your like actual um, Spotify username and everything. So Spotify is the best for being able to like get pushed algorithmically because they're so transparent. Apple, not very much. And those are the two that I mainly focus on. Amazon and SoundCloud are kind of different beasts, but in actuality, they don't really do all that much because their audience is like smaller now. Does the way you push your music like differ between these streaming platforms though? Or do you just think that like Spotify is the best? Um, I don't push them differently because I use this distributor that just drops it on everything at the same time. I just focus more on Spotify because they have more artist-friendly tools. Like they're rolling out the marquee tool. Maybe you've hopped on Spotify and seen right when you hopped on, Justin Bieber, his new album is released and it gives you like a little notification or you get more emails from them. That's like something new that is exclusive to Spotify. Those new Spotify canvases, if you're watching it on your phone and that little video is playing over and over instead of the actual album art, that's really cool and that improves like shares to your to your audience's Instagram story by something stupid like 50%, which is nuts. So that's why I just spend more time like on all of the promo days that we shoot, we are prioritizing other than the actual album art, the canvases. Because if you have a cool canvas, then you're gonna be way more likely to put it on your Instagram story than if it's just like a piece of album art, you know? And you make your own art, correct? Most of it. For the EP, I did almost all of it, um, the stuff that's coming out. But my friend Emily, who is in DAP, she does most of like the really, really difficult stuff, like the authentic art. No chance in the world I could ever pull that off. It's comical, the, the sketch that I sent her versus what she sent me. It's unreal. I tried so hard, and man, was it a mess. And now what you see on Spotify and everything is... So, so stellar. I'm so impressed by what she made. Awesome. So, like, what would be the main takeaways you think you've you've had from these setbacks? Like, not really setbacks, but, like, you know, problems. Totally. I would say everything is just another perspective switch, you know? It's just another opportunity to realize what the reality of being in this position is because it's, like, kind of the struggling artist moment where everything is going well, everything is on the up, you know? Like, it's looking good but there's a lot of harsh realities that come with the space that is at the top and everything. So I would say the, the biggest things that I've learned are the faster loan further together, and I know it's going to be a better product if I do everything together. Um, so really just understanding and rationalizing my perspective in every decision that I make, whether it be writing today, producing today, just making promo, do like spending four and a half hours one day just planning what I am going to do so it often doesn't feel like I'm doing anything because I'm just on my computer saying all right this is what we're doing this is the order that we're doing it this is the color that it needs to be this is how we're going to do it this is, if it rains this is if it doesn't rain this is if it's cloudy if it's sunny this is what we need to bring this is who I need there this is like what I need to wear what they need to wear so I would just say mindset and perspective are because you're so capable of so much if that's in the right space.
Awesome. That's that's great advice. So what's the next milestone that you're shooting for in terms of growth? Oh man, there's so many like little goals and stuff. Um, there's a handful of Spotify stuff that I really, really hope to achieve. I want to have 100,000 total streams by the end of this year um, on all of my songs, which is a little bit of a lofty goal because I think I'm at 55,000 or something like that right now but because there's so much more music coming and milky way and authentic are doing so well it's definitely possible i want to hit a thousand spotify followers because the more spotify followers you have the more the algorithm is going to push you but there are pieces externally from like the actual like quantitative piece of this which is which i'm so prone to think about as somebody who analyzes and studies kind of marketing you know, in strategic communication. I just want to play, I, I have plans to um, open for a handful of um, artists around here and in Cincinnati over the summer and going into the fall. I have some really, really cool opportunities lined up and I want to have the best possible opening show ever. That's, that's my biggest goal. I don't want people to leave thinking that was just an opener, you know? So that is mm. my biggest goals, um, is that I want to have the most unreal opening show anyone has ever seen and i just want to be so so deliberate this is a continual goal like every day i need to make push myself to be this um but to be some be an artist that is not not someone who's who just takes appreciation lightly when someone says oh you sound like hosier you sound like john bellion this is why like I, I i want to elaborate upon that you know because the genuine connection has gotten me this far and I think if that ever quits, then my art is done for. So that's a day-to-day -day goal. Awesome. Thank you. Um, what advice would you give to someone who's thinking of making music? Oh, you can do it. Just ask for help. Just ask. You know, when I was first making Outside, it was kind of a uh, ego thing. I can do this. It's only like 10 tracks. You know, that's not hard. I can learn from YouTube. Had I reached out to anyone at all and said, hey, how can I make this better? That song, in my opinion, would be better. And there's a couple other tracks that I wish I would have changed a couple things, but because either deadlines or whatever, I did not reach out and I should have reached out. So that's the biggest thing that there are always people who are better than you and surround yourself with them. And even if it's just being in the room, I've learned the most just from sitting watching my friends do what they've done. And if you want to get into it, just buy a crappy computer, buy a crappy mic. You can get an entire setup for maybe 200 bucks. Computer might be your most expensive thing, but really all you need is an interface, an XLR cable, a cheap mic. You don't even need an XLR cable. You can do a USB mic and everything. Um, my biggest piece of advice, would be just try, just go for it. You're gonna make bad songs at first and that's fine. Excellent advice. It seems like you really shoot for the stars with all of your goals and you just have like such a humble and just like thankful attitude. So I think I see great things in your future. That's really, really kind. I really appreciate that. Yeah, so thank you for joining us today. It was great speaking with you, Adam. Oh, absolutely, anytime. I'd love to come back. Just let me know when. Yeah, and uh, just tell me and Andrew if you have anything coming up this summer. We'd be, I'm sure we'd love to come see you open for somebody. Oh, 
Uh, absolutely. <laughs> We're going to be doing a whole lot around here. There's going to be some cool stuff revolving, revolving around my EP and that release. So Awesome. Yeah, congrats on everything. Thank you so much, man. You guys are the best. So be sure to follow Adam at Adam Paddock on all of his social medias mm -hmm. and stay tuned for his new EP. And that's it for this episode of Fisher Link. Fisher Link is presented by Fisher Inc., the student-run magazine for the Fisher College of Business. I'm Grant Powelson, the Vice President of Podcasts for Fisher Link, and I'd like to thank Charlotte Geary, the President of Fisher Inc., Adam, our guest, and my co-host Andrew for making this podcast possible. If you enjoyed listening, please leave a review, check out our past episodes, and be sure to follow us on Instagram at FisherInkMag for updates on future episodes. FisherLink is available on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and on go.osu.edu slash FisherInk, where you can stay informed on all things Fisher. Thanks so much for listening, and go Bucks.